right, welcome everyone to the world of Debbie football here with the Debbie Workshop crew. I'm your host, Andrew Woodruff, joined by Ben Barnaby Pass and Chance Hopkins as we just get back together, go through the world of college football with you to help find those future NFL stars. Join us today as we just go back and kind of break down what happened week two, maybe a little bit of week one, and some of these college players that are moving up and down throughout our ranks. Let's get looking. All right, welcome to the Devin Workshop, everyone. We are the college-focused portion of the crew over at Filmalytics. Remember, the goal of Filmalytics is to combine that film analysis with those analytical models to just best fit that full picture for your fantasy football needs. With the fantasy football landscape expanding, you can turn to Filmalytics to be your one-stop, go-to fantasy football research facility to get that analysis that you need. You can check us out over at our patreon.com backslash Filmalytics. It's actually in the link in the bio if you want to stop and check it out real quick. We've got things, um, a lot of articles out going right now. We've got our Notion database, which is about to get a nice update with our ranks. We've got our Discord. It's free. It's also in the bio if you want to stop, check it out. Numbers growing. Like to see it keep on moving that way as we just keep enjoying football. Guys, it's been a moment. It's nice seeing y'all. Ben, I'm glad you're still awake with us over there, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No you surviving? No you making it life's today? Been, life's been good. Yeah, I'm making oh, it. Man. Well, today I, I had the anticipation of getting my first car today, so that's drove me all the energy up <laughs> for me today. Fair I, enough. So what you looking at about for your first car? I got a, a Volkswagen. A Fox. Volkswagen. A Fox. Uh, it's weird. I, I, I like so I learned in my family's car for the past few weeks and used to because it's not we don't drive do you drive all mic oh drive everywhere do you do, Mike? uh yeah do you like you know, oh my money i i learned how to drive a manual back in high school but i much prefer those automatics it's just easier just focus on the road mm-hmm. but yeah i can do yeah that. i was gonna say like literally in a new cut in a new car, it's horrible trying to again. So it's basically like what I've learned, I have to go back and start again. It's just a massive faff. Yeah, that's all right. What do you mean? Yeah, you're freezing up a little bit on me, but that's all right. Uh, dude, not too bad, oh. not too bad. But I'll say overall, things have been going good. Seventh grade's busy, college. Football is rolling, though, keeping me entertained. And then high school football, we're just learning how to piece it together, and I'm learning from some great coaches on some different things. Chance, what about you? You been on any – you're not over there getting another call to go to work, are you? No. No, I'm taking – I got three days off. I only work two days this week because I'm using some holiday pay for this weekend because I got a wedding to go to. Then a five-day weekend next week, easy breezy. I like it. I like it. Learning how to be a cop, not too hard. Or yeah. still busy as I'll get out. Yeah, Sunday was busy. Um, <laughs> had like five pending calls at once, uh, which is funny because you look at the bigger departments in Eugene and Portland, they have like 20, 25 pending calls all at once. We get, you know, five pending calls and we're like, oh, 
This is terrible. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. Hey, I understand. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I know it's something you've been excited about, getting out there and help people, getting to be a cop. So did you get a moment over the weekend to watch any of this craziness that happened for week two college football? You know, I I messed up, and I say that because I I, I work 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. Sometimes I work until 6 a.m. right now because we're short staff, so we're having to work 12s. And on Saturday, I didn't mean to do this. I woke up at about 9.30 after going to bed at about 4.30. And <laughs> I was going to go back to sleep. And first I was like, oh, I got to check the score for the Texas-Alabama game. So I check. I think at the time it was like either 7-7, 10-10, something like that. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll go back to sleep for a few hours and wake up and see how it's going then. Could not fall back to sleep. So I was like, okay, I'll just take a nap with Camden when we get back and or when, when the game's over, and then we'll – you know, wake up after three hours and I'll have about eight hours of sleep total. I'll be good to go. Couldn't fall asleep. So I just watched college football all day uh, and was exhausted all, all night working. And then Sunday for NFL, I set my alarm for 1030 just so I can check the score of the Dolphins Patriots game. And oh, that was off. nothing to check on that one. I could have well, already told you that one. <laughs> alarm went off and checked the score and was like, you know what? I'm going to watch the game. And the same thing happened. I just watched NFL, couldn't fall asleep when I put Camden down for a nap. So, so yeah, that's how my life will be on the weekends. Hey, I understand. You got to make it work. You got to work that football in there somewhere. It's part of your life. So that brings me to that first curveball question I had to throw. Is it getting close to the end of an era with Saban and Alabama? Texas looked promising this weekend. What were your thoughts on the clips that you did get to see? Uh, you know – I think it was just Alabama played really undisciplined. Uh, and you, you don't see that with Saban teams often, like at all. That, that's, I think that that was the most undisciplined game I've ever seen any Alabama team play. And I've grown up an Alabama fan, so I've seen plenty of Nick Saban teams play. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's the end. I, I think that's definitely – I think it's in check, but I think that really more kind of talks about how Texas is – as a team and how they're coming up as a team. I, I think it says more about Texas than it does Alabama. Hey, that's fair. I'm all for Texas actually being back. I mean, you know me, I'm a state fan. So it's not like I got a lot to get excited about in the SEC because we're not beating Bama most years. So yeah, I'm excited to see somebody give them a challenge. And my goodness, they did most of this without their even starting quarterback viewers. Yeah. So I was very intrigued seeing that. I didn't know if it was more Bama being sloppy or just Texas taking advantage of the moments. I think it was a little bit of both. Get inside their head. I think it was a little bit of both. They had a, you know, Texas at home, huge game. The fans showed out, made it rowdy. Um, the, the refs weren't the greatest in the game on both sides. There were a lot of missed calls mm. from both teams. Um, That's true. There, there were some calls made that were like, oh, okay. You know, you had the, uh, the really controversial initial targeting call or roughing the passer. Yeah. Targeting and roughing the passer call. Mm -hmm. They ended up saying no targeting, but then they erased the roughing the passer, which to my knowledge, you can't technically do that. Once you make the call and you announce the actual call targeting is the only one that could be reviewed outside of, you know, the obvious fumbles, interceptions, touchdowns, stuff like that. Uh, So at that point you're thinking, okay, well, is it going to be, are they going to reverse that and call it grounding? 
they didn't do that. So it was just kind of like a null, null and void play, um, which is really, really odd. And it really kind of showed how bad those refs were. Luckily, they were Big 12 refs. So can't use the whole SEC officiating against Alabama on that one. That was just Big 12 refs being Big 12 refs. Fair enough. So, Ben, I got to kick it over to you. I'm sure you caught some highlights or got to watch the Alabama-Texas game like most of us. What stood out to you on both sides of the ball? Start off, you can start with Alabama since we were already talking about them, then we'll jump back over to Texas. Any bright spots that you want to hit for Bama? I think there's the two, you know, the two main spots, isn't there? You know, you've got Bryce Young and Gibbs on that offense that really showed up towards the end of the game. You know, even Matt said on Twitter, you know, Bryce Young might have not had the greatest game, but it's that clutch factor that he has where he can just mm-hmm. all of a sudden turn it on a dime. And seeing Gibbs so heavily involved in the past game is great. For a, for a receiving back, I, th- I saw a stat which was like he has one of the highest elite profiles for a receiving back. Higher than oh, it, McCaffrey. And mm-hmm. it's, so seeing those two guys sort of make the game their own when it's not going their way, it's sort of that increases their value for me. And then I'm thinking going on to Texas, you know, seeing you was getting injured early on, but he was showing off a good show at the start. He was putting up a get a good show and you could tell that Texas really needed you was in that game. You know, card came in, got injured as well. He was hobbling about all over the place. I think you know yeah, Bishan, Bishan, Bishan didn't have a a great game rushing. But receiving wise, he really uh showed up. He was sort of like Gibbs, you know, he wasn't very efficient on the ground, but really showed up in the air when they needed it. I mean, and you bring up a good point. Like Bishan did this against top quality opponents. Like these are the type of guys he's gonna see in the NFL. So that kicks it over to the second question I had pertaining to this game right now. And this is open to both of y'all. How many uh, running backs would you take right now over Bichon? Zero. Jonathan Taylor? None. Oh, 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 you're talking. Oh, you're talking. I'm, I'm talking about NFL quality starters right now versus the 2023 rookie Bichon Robinson. We've seen one week so far of NFL. We've seen two from college. Two. I would take two running backs over Bijan. All right. Ben, what do you think? Personally, think if the season goes well for a few of the NFL guys, there'll be a few other guys that I'd prefer to have. But I'm thinking one, one, just JT, I think, at the moment. Because we see like NFL guys going into committees, you know, these top guys like Javonte Swift mm-hmm. and all these guys that are sort of getting their touches took away by these guys like Jamal Williams and stuff Melvin like that. If Bishan, yeah, if Bishan gets in the right place, then he's going to be pretty unstoppable in terms of dynasty. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I'm, I'm only putting JT ahead. Now, that, that puts me back over you, Chance. Who's the other guy that you're taking over Bijan Robinson? DeAndre Swift. That's fair. 
you know, he, he was still – I can't remember. I don't have it pulled up. I think he had 66% snap share. He did have most was, of the work, yeah. Which was in the top five or six of the NFL backs in week one. Um, he had 15 touches on the ground. He had three receptions. You know, he had 144 yards rushing, which is a nine-and-a-half-yard average with that touchdown. Then he had 31 uh, yards through the air. You know, I mean, I just I, – I really see DeAndre Swift. He, he isn't somebody who needs a bell cow role to be a top-five running back in the NFL. He's sort of like that Alvin Kamara-type running back to where he can – he can play 60% of snaps. He can get, you know, 15 to 20 touches, and he could ha- be an RB1. Um, and the fact that he's still only 23, he's still, you know, the vocal point of this offense. I, I think DeAndre Swift is – he is my RB2 in Dynasty, so that's why I would take him over uh, Bajon because even, even though Bajon is extremely special, there's still that risk factor that he gets drafted to the NFL and he becomes a bust. Even though I think that is like a 1% chance, you know, I, I think he's going to, there's a 99% chance he's either average, which I don't think will be the case or great. Um, It's still really early to see or really early to tell. Hey, I understand. So that kind of kicks me over to my second question. Jameer Gibbs, would he be inside y'all's top 12? Correction. Let's let's up it a little bit. Top ten next year, assuming again he keeps showing out like he has in these kind of games, he can get it done on the ground game, but he's very special in the receiving. Where does he fall for y'all? Isn't that it's? Aren't you just explaining Swift right there as well? It sounds like it, right? So that's yeah. what I'm curious. How like does he fall inside your top ten? Because these are the kind of things that. NFL fantasy players are having to think about right now. Yeah. So I, we I just kind of named off, you know, JT, Swift, Javante. I mean, we're probably putting Bijan up in the top 10 already as of next yes. year, included with him. You've got mm-hmm. a couple other guys, at either your older prospects or maybe some of the younger guys like Brees Hall, if he shows out second half. I feel like this is a question people have to start thinking about. Is Jameer Gibbs inside their top 10 next year? Because I saw some people put him outside their top 15 before this game, and I was like, that's that's a very interesting take myself. Yeah, I got him. I've definitely got him in top 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, as I've said in the past about, you know, these classes coming in and taking over from the – the older classes with like CMC and Cook and stuff like that. So I think when you see the decline of those, you're going to see the the increase in value for them. So I mm-hmm. think by the time the young guys. Gibbs, yeah, when, when Gibbs comes into the NFL, I think by that time you're going to see maybe some people fall off this season or some where you'll be able to come into that top 12. Yeah, hey, I like it. All right, so let's real quick, let's wrap it up just for this game. Receivers, you know, not a lot happened on both sides outside of, honestly, Worthy, Whittington, and Holden. I I guess, Chance, we can mention your boy Brooks. He had a couple clutch plays I saw in the game or second half. 
where are we at with both of these receiving cores? Is Worthy still, I know, for example, Chance, is he still your 2024 receiver one? Or has, um, you know, another guy showed out, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. finally jumped him. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking right there. Um, I, I can't solidify him as wide receiver one at this point. But yeah. I could, you know, obviously wide receiver two at the lowest with Harrison being the wide receiver one right there for that draft class. I don't know. I just, this game was really underwhelming for receivers, especially on Alabama side of the ball. Not a lot of them made a whole lot of plays. And, you know, in the group chat, I was banging the table for Jacory to get put in the game. So I was like, there's no reason why he's not playing when, you know, Holden and Burton and all these receivers are just not making the plays they need to be making. And they're dropping balls left and right. And then sure shit, Ja'Cory Brooks gets thrown in there on the last drive and has three cl- clutch uh, catches for 33 yards. Like, throw him the ball. Get him in there. He, he's a darn good wide receiver. He's I, I still think he's one of the best, if not the best receiver on this Alabama roster. Um, so hopefully, you know, Saban took a look at that last drive, took a look at what Ja'Cory did when he went in there and he got targeted and goes, okay, maybe we should just have him start or at least have him play at lot more than he has been these last two weeks. Yeah, I understand that. Ben, what do you, what do you think? Worthy, you're still your receiver one, or is Marvin Harrison Jr. still on that spot for 2024? I'm just thinking, I think, you know, we'll see. How long has he was out for? Was it meant to be like two, three weeks? It's might... six to eight. Yeah. It's going to be yes. most of the season. He is out. That might tank Worthy's value a little bit. Which is which is why we're kind of I assume is why we're assuming he's a twenty twenty four guy at this point. Yeah. Because no, he is Worthy. he is twenty twenty three eligible. No, Worthy is always twenty twenty four. He was a freshman last year, it's the second. Oh year. you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Never uh, mind, you never mind. Yeah, 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 never mind. I'm thinking That's of somebody right. else. I'm thinking I can't remember. I don't know why I got them mixed up. Okay. I was thinking of yeah, never mind. Not even gonna go into that. <laughs> uh you're good. So Ben, I don't think I heard your response. Were they or Marvin Harrison Jr.? If you had to pick one right now on the spot, who are you rolling with for next year? Uh, Harrison Jr. I'm like just liking what, I, what I'm seeing so far. With, Welcome uh, to the club. Yeah. Welcome to the club, guys. I'm glad I can get you on to another one. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think, Ben, I think you were the one that dropped this in there real quick in the group chat saying, watch this receiving class or this receiving room for Alabama because as underwhelming as they were, they are about to get two guys back, Tyler Harrell and, of course, JoJo Earl. So the good things that we have seen out of the freshmen, I don't think I heard him mention earlier, Chance, when you're naming off guys, Kobe Prentice, he might be taking more of that receiver four role, kind of the backseat, him and Brooks. Uh, Brooks may just work, won his spot back, honestly with this team. So it's good things to watch, but it's things to monitor like that. So if you are in a CFF league or in a Debbie league, you have Prentice and somebody thinks he is the next coming of Calvin Ridley and so forth and guys like that might want to consider looking at what the offers are out there because his value will dip back down some. Definitely. All right. That was me. I, I know I picked the just the funnest game I think most everybody else watched. Chance, throwing it over to you, what other game stood out this weekend to you? 
Good and bad. I don't care. Oh, God. Um, the Appalachian State and Texas A&M game. All right. Talk to me about <laughs> it. That was a good game. That was a good game. I like that game. Um, mostly because App State came in and, you know, really played well. You, you, can, say it. you can say it. They, they stomped Texas A&M. Um, a number six ranked team formerly. It, it wasn't even really like a – it wasn't like a high octane game or anything like that. Um, we didn't see good, like, or great, really, quarterback play out of both sides. But uh, Chase Bryce for App State was one of my players to watch uh, for week two. And he went in there and he, you know, he didn't play well at all, but didn't turn over the ball, got the job done, which is really nice. Um, we saw Evan Stewart lead Texas A&M in receiving, which is really cool. That's something that I was looking for. Uh, but we mostly it was mostly just a rushing game, which brings us to you know the Devin Cheney that we've talked about quite a bit, and then for App State you had Cameron Peoples, who mm-hmm. had 112 yards, averaging almost six yards a carry. I mean, it was a fun game to watch. It was exciting, especially after that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the video. Which one you're referring to? The uh, um, the yell night for Texas a Oh, night. Yeah, so the, the cheer team, I think, or the cheer squad uh, has – Texas A&M has like a yell night before home games. Oh, and, yeah, I've been to that. Yeah, it's, they, it's experience. They, they roasted App State pretty heavily. I mean, they berated right. App State. I, I mean, remember it was this. like – The overalls and everything. Yeah, the overalls, the hillbilly school and – know the backwoods and all that stuff just for them to come in and beat the snot out of texas a&m and really make them humble themselves but yeah i mean as far as debbie purposes there wasn't a whole lot to monitor in that game uh just kind of a fun game to touch base on i like it i'm about to say like debbie is not any of the quarterbacks but cheney is a debbie watch for some people at running back I'm happy for the freshman, Stewart. That was about the only spot I was like, okay. You know, five catches. I think he had eight-plus targets, if I remember correctly, in my article. 48 yards. I mean, nothing great, but, I mean, he was better than Anaya Smith, apparently, in this game. Right. So, we'll take it. All right, Ben, kick it over to you. What is a different game that stood out, good or bad? I don't care which side we talk about. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Well, we'll go to the – the other upset that happened. We've got a Marshall <laughs> versus the Fighting Irish. What? It was, uh, Did I miss something? Notre Dame won that, right? Uh oh. The, uh, no, the start again. of the season is 0 and 2, which I is not a great time. I love it. I hate Notre Dame. There's only one good thing for Notre Dame that's, that's Mayer. Michael Mayer. That's Michael Mayer, mm-hmm. baby. I'm about to say, yeah, there be something you like there. Oh, yeah. And he had a great game. He uh, he did have a great game. He went over for 100 yards, had the, a touchdown. You know, it wasn't a lack of trying for Notre Dame to try and win the game. I just think that Marshall ran the ball like crazy into the ground. They had LeBron, who had 31 carries. They had 50 carries overall. And Notre Dame just couldn't stop it. Which is just crazy to see. 
I mean, it wasn't even multiple guys that really ran the ball. It was one dude. Yeah. And then two other guys barely got over double digit yardage. It's 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 weird to see because you know Texas in um ranked sixth, which I'm unsure why they're ranked sixth. I don't like there's guys there that for me being new at Devi and college football, I, I look and I'm like, Who are those guys? <laughs> It just shows the, the difference between like the top five ranking and the rest. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially like, you know, you had Buckner who came in and still threw for 200 yards, but he threw for two interceptions. So he basically sold the game. I mean, like, yeah, I about to say, like, he, he was barely above 50% passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... He ran the most out of everyone. He took a third of the carries for Notre Dame. It's just it, the need to sort something out because you can't just leather mayor with the ball every play. Like he'll go up there and he'll make plays, but you're just not going to win football games like that. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up a good point talking about their quarterback. He's not even going to be eligible to play the rest of the season, I believe. If I remember correctly, his injury has got him out for the season. So now you're depending on Pine or goodness, who knows what's behind Pine trying to develop and learn that system. So it could definitely be trouble waters ahead for this this program for this season. Are yeah. either of y'all willing to buy low on Buckner, Buechner turning it around for next season? Oh, yeah. I like Buchner. I, I think he has a really good skill set. He obviously had a very poor game. Uh, but I, I think, you know, when you look at Konami, court, Konami Code quarterbacks at the college level, he is one of those more exciting ones. He's still a huge question mark. Uh, there are injury concerns, but his price on after a bad game with a season-ending injury, his price will never be lower than it is right now. I mean, you want to go out there. You can, go, you can get him. It's a shoulder injury. Um, and he's okay. out for the season. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you can get him for pennies on the dollar right now. You you could probably just throw out, you know, a later round draft pick to get him, quite honestly, because people, after a bad game, season any injury, people probably want to offload him and want nothing to do with him because they're just like, nope, not worth it. Rushing floor, not worth it. All right, so that brings me up a couple of names that I see that you have ranked below him. Now, this was – before week two played out, so of course the rankings going to be updated in a second. Would you have rather Buchner or the following names? Buchner or Connor Weigman, Texas A&M freshman quarterback. Weigman. All right. Would you rather Buchner or Dylan Gabriel, who's probably his last season in Oklahoma? You'll find out one way or another if Gabriel's NFL worthy or not this season. Right. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's really, really hard. Because Gabriel's playing well. Oh, God. You know, I'm, I'm going to say Gabriel. Fair enough. All right. Well, what about what about Cameron Ward or Buchner? Kind of a wild card right there. Uh, that's that's a, the last one. That's another really hard one. Oh, because I really like Cameron Ward, too. <laughs> 
I'm gonna say Cameron Ward. Hey, fair enough. But I'll say I do agree with those situations, except for I would take I would take Butner over Wagman. I can th- think you said Wagman. I did. Okay. The other two I do agree with. I think I'd take the shots with Gabriel and Cam Ward, especially Ward because he's just finding ways to win games. Yeah. And he hasn't figured out his full potential yet. All right. So, Ben, what about you? I got a question for you. Going back to our, our tight end that you love so much, Michael Mayer. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. So, after, you know, kind of those top six, top seven tight ends in the NFL, where do you rank him going in as a freshman, knowing kind of the normal expectation of freshman – well, not freshman – Rookie tight ends, do you think he would be better than, say, Pat Fryermuth entering the NFL fresh uh, his first season? I'm thinking, you know, we we talked about him today, in fact, didn't we, about Chance saying that he's more of a, a profiled tight end. So I think in terms of, like Chance said, in terms of fantasy, you're not going to see – like over the like out of this world stats, but I think I think because I think with Frymouth it was more touchdown reliance. I'm mm-hmm. thinking we could see a season quite the same as that. Or better, I'm thinking, you know it you know, there's quite a few teams that need tight ends that are quite physical, you know. I'm thinking straight off the dome, the Dolphins Yes. 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 That's exactly what I was gonna say. Hey, we have got chance all excited up in here. So okay. Oh my god! As soon as you're done, Ben, I gotta touch base on this. Okay. All right. So hang on, Ben. This is (laughs) kind of my wrap up question then, because I feel like these are like kind of the close comparison because we know he's not the fantasy freak that Pitts will be, but Farmyth, you know, that's kind of within reason. Yeah. Will he do better than Farmyth's? 13th overall tight end finish as a rookie. I think with... Is he top so 12 much, or is he outside top 12? I think there's so much variance in the tight end position, you know, like, especially in the NFL this week, we saw OJ Howard, Everett, all these lower end guys finished second to yep. fifth. Mm-hmm. And I think like, it's such like a pull the rabbit out the hat or like the name out the hat to say, oh, well, top 12, top this, you know, I think overall, I do think he'll probably beat out Frymouth just because he's so, like he seems so, he seems so complete in the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, if, if you can block as a tight end, you stay on the field and that leads to chances. You know, we've seen it with Kittle and like with the Dolphins, that's why I brought it up. Oh my and, gosh! Um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna listen, have we're gonna have listen. to get Matt to get some audio or some clips right here. Of this visual because chance you can you mark are, my words. You're jumping you out of your seat. Mark my words. The Dolphins have San Francisco's first round pick next year. It's the only first round pick they have. I don't think the 49ers are gonna make the playoffs, but I don't think they're gonna be you know a top ten pick. I think they'll be in between maybe ten. I think they'll be in between that ten and fifteen, maybe sixteen kind of range. I think that is the perfect range for McDaniel because Gesicki got franchise tagged. You didn't see a lot of Gesicki week one at all. Nope. There is no other tight end on the Dolphins roster 
that fits McDaniel, what he likes to see in tight ends, a blocking tight end, an absurdly good blocking tight end in George Kittle, right? That can also be a thousand yard receiver. I honestly believe that Mayer fits perfectly in the McDaniel scheme so perfectly that you have Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddle, you even have Cedric Wilson, Eric, uh, Ezukama, or however you pronounce his last name, has you know shown to be in preseason. You can hear the scream in the background. Yep, someone else is for the Dolphins. Right, Cam's is excited. But anyways, I, I think that he will fall to the perfect place of the Dolphins to where Mike McDaniel will want to pull that trigger to booster that offense even more, right? Because my, my thought process is the top quarterbacks for 2023, if Tua doesn't pan out, the top quarterbacks for 2023 are going to be gone before the Dolphins end up picking. Mm-hmm. Um, wherever they end up picking. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to want to take a stab in the first round on a quarterback. It might be like a bridge year to where they take a – geez, <laughs> where they take a second-round quarterback, maybe a third-round quarterback or something like that, and then they wait for 2024. Maybe they have another top pick that they're bad or something like that, which I just don't see happening. No, um, yeah. they got Skylar Thompson, dude. Skylar Thompson. Thompson. Anyways, what I'm getting at is I, 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 th- I truly think that Mayer will end up in the Dolphins if he doesn't get snagged as a top 10 pick. And I think that will be the absolute best position for him to become a top fantasy asset. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, I like I'll just, it. I'll just straight in there if he goes to the Dolphins. Man, y- I mean, y'all been working behind the scenes on these layups to just back and forth <laughs> help each other out. All right, so real quick, I guess since y'all have both hit on just, you know, some crazy upsets, let's go ahead and let's jump into the Florida-Kentucky game. Ripped my freaking heart out, Florida over here. Didn't – okay, I'll go ahead and admit, Anthony Richardson didn't play great. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He played bad. But my goodness, the play calling, the just – the way they spread the ball out in the first game compared to the way they just let – their play calls go to, you know, 10 different plays for, against Kentucky's very good defense just blew my mind. So, Anthony Richardson, you know, under 50% completion percentage, two interceptions. I'm sure both of y'all saw both of those, and it was – it wasn't even close to being good throws. Yeah, it wasn't. Are, are y'all still on the boat with me? Y'all, yep. y'all believe in I'm not, ju- I'm not jumping well. ship. I'm not okay. jumping ship. I'll say, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and kind of tell people, kind of like, you know, Chaz doing with the Broncos, relax. It's okay. It's going to be fine, you know. First game, they came against, came out against a strong Utah game, which, you know, Utah's not no joke. They're ranked for a reason, and they showed out. Against Kentucky, they got beat, and, you know, I think they're going to be okay this year. It's looking very close to probably an eight-win season based off how things look, and that means we're going to get Anthony Richardson to come back again next year to develop. The big trick is we've got to figure out what receiver needs to be transferred over there to help this kid out. My goodness. was there is there any hope for any of those receivers out there that y'all can think of? Chance, one of your Bama receivers want to come over to Florida and help us out? They need something. That they absolutely need something. I mean, Xavier Henderson isn't going to cut it. Um, and there's really, other than him, there's not really a wide receiver to monitor. Um, there, there's not, including Henderson. Yeah, I'm including Henderson. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree. Uh, but, yeah, I just, it's bad. This Florida team 
outside of ETN and Richardson is Montreal Johnson Jr. has been having a good season so far, actually. Um, That's the three. Yeah, yep. those, are the, those are the three right there. Which I'll go ahead and say, like, ETN, I was very impressed just looking how things went overall. Right now, based off the rankings, you know, I've been doing this WADP stuff, pulling it up. And I've got some things pulled up here. Where do you think ETN went compared to other just 2025 running backs and Debbie drafts? Late. Very late. Yeah, I think those. Give me, give me an RB positional number. Get my names up. <laughs> now, hey, Ben, don't you dare be good pulling this ADP work up. <laughs> Because this is shifted because we're including my my ranks are in it, so I already have had to take those out. I'm gonna say 37. Oh, 37 overall, or RB 37. RB 37. 2025 class. Oh, just for the 2025. 20, 20, oh, class. Just 2025. Okay, my bad. Um, I'm gonna you, say like RB. I'm gonna say RB seven. I'm gonna say he went. He was going RB seven out of the 2025 recruits. Okay, so who do you think was going above him? Oh, I can't list every 2025 recruit. Oh, it's just running uh, backs. So, so we got Nicholas Singleton, of course. There you go. Uh, Branson Robinson. Okay. Who's the other uh, big three? Emmanuel Henderson. Who's now he did go team. ahead of him, but, you know, that's not the big three I was thinking yeah. of. Um, why am I drawing a blank on the fucking big three? Excuse my language. Ben, help me out. Help, help, help chance help me out, not. honestly. Uh, it's Texas, Texas running back. Running back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jaden Blue. Goodness. Disappointed right here. All right. So you said RB7. So that's four so far. You are correct. Those four did go above. Who else you got? Maybe like Javante Barnes. Five. Keep yeah. going. Javante Barnes. Um, Rayleigh Brown. No. Rayleigh Brown did not go okay. ahead of him most drafts. Um, let's see. Citizen, there you go. There Citizen, you go. yeah. Hadn't seen I would him say, a little bit. I don't know which one, but one of the two North Carolina running backs. I would say George Petaway, because I think George Petaway was getting most of the uh, hype for North Carolina running backs. Mm, actually, no. ETN okay. did go ahead of both of them just slightly. Okay. It really just depended on which draft you look at. Uh, you're missing two more names for the two running back powerhouses. Jamarian Miller. There you go. Okay, Alabama running back, Jamarian Miller and Jamarian Miller. Running back powerhouses. What's the other running back powerhouse? Would it be Georgia or Ohio State? Georgia. Georgia? That He's got two awesome. first names. He's got two first names. Oh, my God. Oh, see, Ben, Ben knows. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, my gosh. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm going to get this. Andrew Paul. Andrew Paul. Hey, here we go. Andrew Paul. I, it you. was on the tip of my tongue. So, Andrew that, Paul was going before ETN? Yes. Andrew's Paul hype train was insane for the debut world. And I get it. I, like, I'll even be the first to admit, like, there's a chance Andrew Paul was going to end up being better than Branson Robinson this season based off the way that the insiders were talking about over at Georgia. So, like, there was some big-time hype for this kid, and he may pan out. We know the injury before the season ruined that for this season. But, yes, 
That is every running back that went ahead of ETN this year. So, of course, you had your big three. You had Citizen. You had Barnes right there. You said Emmanuel Henderson, which, yes, him and Jamarian Miller were both going ahead of him. And then, of course, you had Andrew Paul right there with him. So, dude was almost outside of the top ten in his position. Based off what you've seen, do you think he's worth a top six spot in this running back class as of today? We know things can change. Yes. Yeah. How high are you willing to put him? Because we hadn't really seen Jaden Blue play. Branson Robinson's kind of been limited. Like, where are you willing to gamble? Because he went undrafted most drafts. Unless it was super deep. Like, his ADP was 94. It depends. And we know how Chance feels about Branson Robinson. Mm -hmm. So I still don't still even with that. I think fourth or fifth, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay. I feel that. I'll say anybody after Citizen, I'm willing to put ETM ahead of now. Yeah. Yeah. After seeing the utilization, like he is RB five for me. I'll gamble on the big four up ahead, but after that, I'm gonna bet on the traits. I think it's big four, I'm trying to think here. Because after what we've seen, Mario Hampton, I would take over Citizen. I mean, not Citizen. Um, ETN. Okay, so we might be having a debate later on on this one. I like it. I would take, (laughs) from what we've seen so far, um, I would take Hampton over. So maybe five, six. Okay. I respect that. Again, nothing wrong with that. I just figured, you know, let's go ahead and let's bring that conversation up for the 2025 class. And, you know, while we're kind of talking about that, Dane Key, where do you feel like he would fall right now for the 2025 receivers? So, Ben, we'll kick it over to you since, you know, Chance was helping me with these running backs at first and we were trying to give him the quiz. Right now, like, who would be in your top five out of the 2025 just receivers? Well, I think you've got Burden coming in. Uh, I was going to keep him one, so I agree with that. Hmm. I don't think we've seen enough from Isaiah Bond at all. Yeah, that was a big-time follower. Yeah. He sort of... Um, I think... You know, seeing so early on Key coming in and making this, even the, this game, that 55-yard touchdown, it was, kind of, it was a big play. You know, you saw Levis come in, chuck it, and hope that his receiver just made a play. And it easily did that. You know, at first I thought Levis threw like... If he, I, he was kind of throwing pretty good. I thought it was like a, a, an arm punt. He just chucked it up and it was going to get intercepted. But when I saw the the replay, I thought, ooh, that, that's amazing placement. So I think if Key brings up this big, big role, I think we can see him definitely slide up drafts, you know, especially with Wondell Robertson going into the draft, you know, seeing this much like 
market share percentage and mm-hmm. target share, you know, to get picked up. Seeing early on that Levis can, especially seeing, you know, there was 13 receptions in that game <laughs> and Key accounted for three of them. So early on, it's about 20-ish percent market share, which is pretty pretty good for you know like his second game on the field um yeah i mean he definitely made a count okay so we know we said luther burden right now you would keep ahead of yes. key um evan stewart has he shown enough to still keep his ranking up there in the top two yes or, Ooh, we seem uncertain about that one okay i like it i like it i need more certainty on that one ben <laughs> I'm 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 unsure because obviously we saw Texas not do well. Yeah, that's in fair. That game. And I'm thinking, you know, they've started, I believe, 0 2. Seeing this sort of fall might hurt his stock a little bit. But um, so I think we've got Adam Adam Randall from in the I would still keep him up there. Yeah. I know he's injured right now. He's returning, but like the dude is practicing and he tore his ACL back in the spring Oof. and he's already back practicing. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good thing speed. about his CLs at the moment, isn't it? You know, we see all these guys come back pretty, pretty darn quick. Mm-hmm. Not having to worry about them in the future, especially sort of this early on in the career where by the time he ends up getting in the NFL, it won't be a problem. Uh, C.J. Williams. Uh, UNC have got a good good thing going on there. They got Campbell's a great thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Yeah, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, and now C.J. Williams, who really hasn't been super involved yet. I'll admit that, but... It's hard too when you've got those guys in front of right. you. Right. Like you, you have to sit and learn behind some of these older guys. Let me let me throw a name out there at you then. Okay. Between Dainty and McMillan for Arizona. Oh man, this is an easy one for me still. That's an easy one for me too, but just want to see for Ben's out with that. Uh, uh, shall I say do I say McMillan here? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes, you should. <laughs> yes. All right, so I do agree with that part. Okay, so right now, and this is just personally speaking, you know, everybody can have their own different opinions, but I'm still keeping burden one. Yep. I would still put C.J. Williams, Adam Randall, and Evan Stewart up there. But then McMillan really is the only other kid that I want to put ahead of Dane Key. A lot of it comes down to those traits that we talked about. You're in a Kentucky offense where you're already being featured as the top guy so far. Like, he has more targets, more receptions, more yards than Tavion Robinson, who apparently was supposed to be the Wondell Robinson replacement. The dude is a speed freak, and we know the NFL loves speed nowadays. And the dude is six foot three. So, like, it's not just speed. He has size to him as well, so he can make those jump balls that you were talking about, that amazing highlight touchdown play against Florida. So... I was just wondering, I was wondering if y'all were kind of on that receiver six bandwagon like I was when it came to freshman receiver mm-hmm. key. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say yeah. It's it's tough because you know Kentucky they're gonna have Levis probably declare this year. Most likely, they're gonna have a good situation. He's going to get enough wins on a winning yeah. team. He probably should. So I do yeah. agree with that part. Do they have anyone as the second quarterback to come in next year? Or are they getting freshmen in? It's kind of undecided. You know, with transfer portal nowadays, there, it could be yeah. a lot of different options. If Jalen Milrow isn't the starter at Alabama next year, you know, maybe he transfers over or something like that, you know. No one Lots looks, of options. No one ever looks Slavis will just peek his head around the corner again somehow uh, and steal all of our fantasy assets away from us. Please, not again. <laughs> We can't take any more of this. Oh, Pitt, Pittsburgh just—it hurts me because there's so many great sort of prospects in there, <laughs> guys to guys to like rise in the rankings, and then it's just getting pushed down by Slovis. Just oh. the dude's consistent. He knows how to ruin a good time in multiple places. <laughs> But he is hurt, so we'll see how he's doing back recently. All right. You know, we've kind of been talking a couple games. You mentioned some stars, some good players showing out. Uh, Take a moment, tell me. I'll go ahead and start it with Ben because Chance got his arms full for a second. Tell me one good player that stood out to you, and it can even be the guy you just wrote an article about if you want to. Well, do, do I go the easy route here? I think I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I I will. Um, it's Sam Hartman for Wake Forest. You know, he's recently caught the eye of a lot of us at the Film of Lakes uh, crew. You know, coming back from this sudden undisclosed injury to play in his first game of the season, really showing out and being able to put the game on himself. You know, we saw him... Let's have a look. He put up... He threw only 27 times, completed it 18 times. You know, two-thirds of completion rate. Mm -hmm. He still threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. You know, looking at... Writing the Debbie Darling article, you know, you saw the play... You can see a play-by-play breakdown and, you know, looking at that play-by-play, you see how consistent he can be and how how he does the simple things really well. You know, he, he seems to read those offenses, well, sorry, defenses quite well with the RPOs and the, the play actions. He can really... He, he has all assets of what you really want to see in a quarterback that's in his shoes, sort of kind of, he's definitely one to look out for. And Matt said he might even gain some first round buzz if he keeps playing this way this season. Yeah, it definitely will depend. I'm, I'm not quite there with the rest of the crew, but I do like the appeal. Yeah, it's just a question of how much does the NFL like the system. Yeah. Because I saw this before, Jamie Newman. I don't think he's, I don't think Jamie Newman's as good as Sam Hartman. But you know, 
I need to be proven wrong before I jump too far down that bandwagon. There's a lot of there was a lot of weird plays that I'd never seen before. There was these really elongated handoffs that weren't handoffs trying to read the defense and the safeties. It's those it's very, kind of plays I've never seen before. Yeah, it's a very interesting RPO style system for sure. It spreads it out, makes defenses just be in the wrong spot at the wrong time. So, again, I, I like that one for sure. Chance, you want to tell me one guy that stood out to you this past weekend? Yeah, sorry, my son knocked no. down my mic. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to okay, set it back up. Um, me too. Honestly, not just this past weekend, but this entire – these last two weeks so far. And it was someone that I've always liked, but it's Raheem Sanders. I mean, he has just looked excellent. I rocket. Mean, he, the go. rocket. I, he has looked so good. I mean, it, it's – he is creeping up and not slowly creeping up in my running back rankings. I, I really like what we've seen from him. And I would I would trade for him as soon as you can, even though his, his you know cost is high right now, whether it's Debbie or C2C. But I, I, I love Sanders. That is my guy. He is – he has looked phenomenal in the two weeks he's played so far, and I really don't think he's going to slow down at all this year. I really think that he can lead the country in rushing um, or at least be like a top three in rushing type of uh, player. Um, and it's not like he's super non-existent in the receiving game. He, he's pretty – he's in there a little bit. Um, he had three receptions week one against uh, not South Carolina, Cincinnati. And then pull up. I think he's had he had a few more. Yeah, he's had six receptions. Yeah, so he's had three in both games. weeks, uh, which isn't bad if for a running back out of college, it's especially so cool. somebody who's not like really it's known so cool for. Right here. Yeah, there's a car right there. <laughs> car, okay, uh, which isn't bad for somebody who isn't known as a you know pass catching back. I mean, especially in that system, you know, most of that system, Arkansas, it does feature a lot of the run game through KJ Jefferson and his running backs in the backfield with him. I mean, they don't have a Burks this year. So, yeah, they're definitely trying to use the talent of Sanders a little bit more. I, I'm i all for Rocket being the guy that you're excited about. I Did I hear correctly? You said you're looking to trade for Sanders. I think I know a certain fellow who has him in the league. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm wanting to trade for him everywhere. Um, kind of touching base how you mentioned Jefferson, the run game runs through him a whole lot. That's something that I know going into the year there was some concern with that, is that he would consume a lot of carries and take away from Sanders. Mm-hmm. But this last week alone, K.J. Jefferson had 19 carries. Um, even then, with 19 carries, Sanders still had 24. So it's not like just because K.J. Jefferson is going to be running the ball a whole lot, whether it's on a you know a design quarterback run or out of the pocket, mm-hmm. Sanders is still getting a very hefty workload, and he's showing that he can be efficient on the ground no matter how many carries he's given. Hey, I will never be upset about some, you know, rocket man <laughs> love over there in Arkansas. But, so kind of brings me to my guy, kind of a guy I got more excited about during the offseason than I expected I would. And that's got to throw it over to Oklahoma's Marvin Mims. Now I'll give it, he's five foot 11, Maybe 5'10". We'll find out way in time when he declares for the 2023 draft. But if you want a kid who looks like he plays much bigger than he is, go watch the Marvin Mim highlights. 
He's only had 12 targets all season so far for two games, 10 catches, but he's exploded for 244 yards, which is insane. He looks phenomenal out there. He is the go-to guy for Dylan Gabriel. Uh, both his touchdowns came against Kent State's. And, I mean, they're not just using this kid in the slot. Like, he is getting some reps there last year, uh, this year, but he is still playing outside. They're kind of using him all over as that mismatch piece. And, dude, I'm just – I'm excited. There was a reason I said I like this kid more than Josh Downs, and I'm still sticking to that. Right this moment, I would yeah. still like this kid more than Josh Downs going forward. I was just about to ask you that. I was going to say, I know I noticed on your, your Twitter looking yep. through, trying to – uh, that you're very up on Mims and down on Downs. Hey, I mean, I, I think that's fitting. Yeah, I would yeah, still look. say Downs, like, he's still going to end up top 10 for the class, but mm-hmm. he's very much a dependent, stay in the slot kind of guy and work that system. Whereas not every NFL system runs that. Mims, I've seen him win some on the outside. He can be your slot guy, but like he offers more. So I, I, I like we'll it. We'll put a name forward on the NFL side because I've been writing about him just recently about uh, Elijah Moore. Yep, there you go. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we saw him. I've, I saw this. It was something like ninety-one point six or eight percent of his college touches were in the slot. Do you think that? Mims could possibly do what Elijah Moore did and sort of break that stereotype of this bigger bigger back that can work on the outside in the NFL. I think he can. I think it's just gonna come down to like how does the system utilize him? A lot that you saw last year for Oklahoma was him working downfield, kind of that deep target guy. I mean, he only got 41 targets last year because of the way Oklahoma was running their system. But he took it for 32 catches, 705 yards, which was 22 yards a catch, right? He's already topped that again this year, currently with 24 yards per catch. So, like, he offers that speed element downfield, but he's not stuck to Rondell Moore, throw me the ball at the line of scrimmage and kind of make guys miss and hope for the best. Like, he can be that field stretcher, so – I'm excited for the kid. He won't probably get better draft capital than some of these other big names that we know for 2023, but he definitely could be that Elijah Moore round two kind of guy that you want at a decent value. So that's a, that's a future rookie second round pick probably kind of guy. Keep an eye on it out on him because I know I'm, I seem to be getting into this pattern of seeing these small kind of slot receiver guys and, just thinking, oh, they're going to be great in the NFL because we see we see them like pretty much every year at this point come out of college and show some sort of elite peripherals where they grade out great when they're on the field. But then also you've got the double-edged sword of Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, you know. But it's uh, just finding that balance in the middle. And like you said with Mims, you know, he's a very speedy guy. Yeah, I just don't want the guys who are stuck at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. As long as you're not doing that, I'm all for the smaller, speedier guys. But when you're stuck in the slots, never facing pressure, 
you can watch North Carolina system still the same as it was last year. Like they have to scheme him open. He's not using his speed to separate and create as much as it's just good scheming. That's yeah. what worries me. I, say, I, I feel like I can go on for a while with this, but you know, the podcast is already getting close to an hour, I'm sure. So real quick chance, give us another name that people need to keep an eye on. JJ McCartney. Ooh, okay. Finally, finally got the starting job. Finally got the starting job, which should have happened before the season even started. Clear as day that he was the best, or he is the best quarterback for that matter, on that Michigan roster. Comes in last week, goes 15 for 16, throws for a bajillion yards, three touchdowns, something like that. I don't have his stats pulled up in front of me, but I know he came in when McNamara was uh, doing the usual struggle bus against a very poor Hawaii team. Uh, yeah, McCartney came in, sorry, 11 for 12. He's 15 for 16 on the year. 11 for 12. Just keep that oh, in mind. Only one incompletion. 229 yards. That is an average of 19.1 yards in attempt. Again, this is Hawaii we're talking about, so it's not really much to boast, but had three touchdowns. Um, not only that, he had one rush for 16 yards. He's somebody that we all knew could use his legs a little bit. We, we, he, he's not a statue. We all know that he's not a statue. So he's got a little bit of a rushing upside there, um, but he finally got the starting job. So he's finally going to hopefully have the rest of the season, barring any injuries to prove himself as a top quarterback in the nation. Cause I, I believe he has that ceiling. I believe he can be one of the best college quarterbacks. Um, so that's somebody who I, I think everyone should look out for. Hey, I'm all for it. Man, throw me a name real quick that the people need to watch out for. I also, sorry. I, I said McCartney. I don't know why. McCarthy, I knew what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, I know. I, everyone knows who I'm talking about, but I just have to clarify. I don't know why I said McCartney. I'm just delusional. I think we all are. Thing. We're college football fans. Let me pull up. So I know I'm choosing the right name. I'll, I'll go on the Filmalytics website right now. <laughs> yeah, throw shots. Shoot, shoot. throw shots. Dolphins like fan it. wearing a Buccaneers jersey. <laughs> Disgusting. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's though. Hey. That's even worse. That's a goat. <laughs> he owned he our franchise never. for like 30 million years. Well, no wonder he bought the jersey then. Right. <laughs> ben, did you tell the people yes, the yes. name that you were talking about? Okay. Just give me the name real quick. I'll go we, back we and listen waited. to it. We kind of waited for you. Oh, well, um, he, he, he dropped the name, but okay. and then he didn't go in-depth about it or anything. All right. Name ready. drop it and give me the reason why. It's real Abanakanda. Hey, oh, I like it. it wasn't the first name he dropped. I just want that to be clear. Oh, yeah. My first name was first Mac- one? Uh, Macintosh. Which I said okay. gross, too. I actually yeah, like which both. made me change. I like both. <laughs> so he was like, oh, <laughs> I was like no All right, Ben, stick with one. Tell the people why we excited watching this right, guy moving forward. Let's have, a look. let's have a look what I wrote about him. Let's see, where is it? I can't find it on the article now. <laughs> right. He was, he was basically... He's, Really, so far this season, he's been the only spark that Pittsburgh have had. Mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, Mumfield have this sort of hype who I brought up earlier, and he hasn't showed out. But we saw last week Izzy come out and get this, I believe, like 70 yard touchdown, making guys miss like throughout the whole run. You know he's he's very electric with his speed. He he was a track star in high school. Well, 
that and so you could see on the tape that he's literally like steps ahead of people on the defense. You know, he's came into the Tennessee game, rushed for twenty five attempts and had 150 yards. Half of that obviously came from the 76-yard touchdown. But when you're looking at running backs, you're looking for that big playability, you know, Jonathan Taylor type type runs where he could turn anything into these 50-yard runs out of nothing. So I think Abanakanda being this spark on a Pittsburgh offense that's sort of not really, even though they have scored a lot of points over these past two weeks, he's sort of stuck out in this offense that we thought would have been better. Hey, I got nothing against that. Izzy is definitely a guy that I love to watch. And, you know, it gets it gets a reason for Pittsburgh fans to be excited, at least going into game days, just mm-hmm. seeing what this kid can do. Yeah, Izzy was somebody I loved before the season started. Um, and week one was really disappointing considering his usage and how ineffective he was with the little touches he got. But and then yeah. when, you know, Hammond goes down and is out, showed up with a large workload, showed he can be effective against a good Tennessee team. So I, I really like that pick too. Hey, yeah, because you wrote about I'll never be upset about that. Yeah, and by, yep. And he was one of the players to watch for week two. All right. So that kicks it over to me. You know, just I was sitting there. I thought I was going to go a different route, but I've got to throw the love at one of the first guys I kept telling y'all, like, watch out for. Like, this kid's going to be special. And the reason being is because the freaking Debbie ADP work that I'm doing, 108 drafts into this thing, and I'm getting more and more pissed because Sean Tucker in, like, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year leagues, going into 2022, still never took a shot on this kid up until this year. And it makes me so upset when we see Sean Tucker go out and have these kind of games like he did already in his first two games of the season. Now, I get it. Okay, whatever. Connecticut's not the great game, but Louisville's not like an awful opponent to look at. And both of those games, he was going over 100 yards back-to-back, one touchdown each, and it's the receiving that gets me excited. Like, I'm sure both of you all have seen the super fantastic – heck, I know Ben's seen it because he wrote about it. David Darling, week one, I love it. Never get enough of that. That big 55-yard touchdown catch he made. Like, he already has 10 catches on the season, over 100 yards receiving. The one touchdown that I just mentioned a second ago, which if you look and compare that to, like, his freshman year, he only had eight catches. Last year, he only had 20 catches. This year, two games in, and he's already almost, like, he is halfway there to 20 catches, and he will probably beat that by the halfway point in the season. Like he has worked himself into that full three-down workhorse-type role or lead committee kind of guy. Like, there's, there's a good chance, you know, hey, maybe the Dolphins round two, round three. Oh, I got him turned around. There we go. So, like, they could be taking a shot on this kind of guy because he does kind of fit that zone-type scheme of make guys miss, let his line just do his job, and he sets them up at the next level. So, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough good things about this kid, it feels like. So, Sean Tucker over at Syracuse is actually going to put out somebody relevant for the NFL purposes. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I was looking through his week one uh, tape, he's, he's definitely not scared at all to 
really get his shoulder into things. He it's not his style of play, but he will, and that was mm -hmm. nice to see. Yeah, he's he's definitely coming a bit more com complete as a back. You know, you're seeing him being this guy who can make guys miss, or he's initiating contact. And these past weeks, he's been receiving balls left, right, and center. So, you know, it's really great to see him take that step up. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, so I think we'll save some of the guys who have kind of fallen in our rankings for next episode. You know, we get another week. We'll let three weeks of the season kind of help dictate whether or not this is actually a trend or maybe it's just early game sluggish start. So I think for the next episode, let's meet back up and let's talk with the people about some of the players that used to be high in our rankings but are starting to fall. So I think that'll wrap it up for us real quick. Ben, where can the people find you at if they're trying to check you out on Twitter? So it's uh, Ben Barpass with one S. And then if I was going to say, if you want to check Chance out. There you go. Yep. Where, where can people find Chance and his craziness? You can find me. Screw you, Ben. I got this. You can find me <laughs> at ChanceFF on Twitter. That's two N's in the name Chance. You can find Andrew at underscore Debbie Scout. Andrew, I'm doing you because I always do the outro. You do. Just, you oh, do. stop it, I'm buddy. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Sorry, I got a crying kid in my lap right now. It's been a hectic day. Um, it's about being a dad. Love right. it. <laughs> you can find the fantasy. Ooh. Nope. You can find Ooh, our crew. Analytics crew. There we go. Ooh. At Filmalytics underscore. And that's on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. That'll do it for this episode. So, again, check out the Discord. It's in the link. Check out patreon.com backslash filmalytics for everything that we can do to help meet your fantasy football needs. And again, just come hang out with us. We're a bunch of fantasy football goofballs, talking football, stressing football, having a great time. Just can keep listening to us. We appreciate it. We've had a couple of people reach out and say how much they've enjoyed the podcast. We even had a guy uh, leave a five-star review. I appreciate that one, Sal. I'll have to read that off next time. So, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Debbie Workshop with our crew. So, again, we'll be back to continue breaking down those names you need to build your dynasty pipeline for years to come. See you, everybody.